You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. He's waiting. Classic Star Wars and the collectibles they gave us. From vintage Star Wars to the modern era of the saga. This is Collecting Tracks. Here are your hosts, Richard Hutchinson and Chris Letty. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Collecting Tracks. I'm Richard Hutchinson. And I'm Chris Letty. And we're your hosts for episode 7, Indie Does the Wars. Well, Chris, it wasn't too long ago that we did the last show, so it does seem as though we're back on track. Um, what have you been up to in the, the last month or so? Yeah, it's been good to kind of get back aligned with our schedules here. Things going on uh, over in the States here, just enjoying the New England summer. Yeah, it's a bit rainy today, but uh, we need it. Just, I don't know, planning vacations, going camping up in the White Mountains with the family soon. So that'll be nice. Looking forward to that. Uh, just kind of collection wise, I've talked about it before. I've been continuing to pare down, figure out what is truly meaningful to me. And, uh, surprisingly, it feels pretty good to let a lot of stuff go. Uh, stuff that's like on the fringes of the personal collection stuff. So that's, that's good. And then, um, most people that know me, I'm a big fan of Ahsoka. So I'm getting really excited for her show, especially after this latest trailer that dropped. Lots of little nuggets in there, things to uh, pick up on. So, I mean, that's kind of what's going on with me. What's going on with you? Well, we, we've had some really, really bad weather over here. So, I don't know, maybe about a month ago, possibly a bit less, uh, we had some quite warm weather. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly warm for the UK standards. I'm sure you would have seen your coat and <laughs> yep. cap and everything. But uh, <laughs> the last, I don't know, week and a half, two weeks, it has rained virtually nonstop. Thunderstorms, uh, you name it, we've had the lot. Yeah. So it's been really wet and miserable, which which is a real shame. But we're racing towards the end of term. So I'm a school teacher, as you know, so I've got one hmm. week, five days and counting until we break up our <laughs> summer term, which is brilliant. But then literally the next day after I break up, I'm off to Thailand via Dubai. So my wife and I are heading out for three weeks. Um, it is also the rain season in Thailand as well. But from everything I've, I can get is it's a case of it's lovely and hot. And then it the heavens open <laughs> for about an hour, an hour and a half in the afternoon. So you just go and get your lunch, come back out a couple of hours later, and you don't even know it's been raining. So... Really, wow. really looking forward to that. Um, I'm glad you put the Ahsoka trailer in the show notes, actually, because I had it reminded us that the trailer had dropped, so I checked that out. Uh, mm-hmm. You're right, there are some really, really good nods to it. You know, certainly some hit the Empire nods in there, some you know, right in your face. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to seeing that show. I'm looking forward to seeing how these characters are going to get back together because there does seem to be a bit of resentment and hostility in there, mm. which is uh, something different. I'm 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 looking forward to that. Yeah, just give us something uh continuation of the storylines for these characters from the Rebel series and you know, some of these characters we're gonna see for the first time in live action. How is that gonna translate? So I just a lot of questions. I think the visuals look really good as they you know, they, they normally do with these productions. It's just where does the story go? And, you know, I'm kind of in the Filoni we trust camp so i'm you know fingers crossed a lot of the parts of the story that were created in in that series uh in rebels you know really carry on into uh the ahsoka series well i'm absolutely in the filoni we trust camp as well but i'm I'm much more of a filoni sometimes some of these characters don't (laughs) need to come back or it's time to kill some of these characters off now um, so I, I do like to see some good endings of these characters and, you know, it doesn't have to all be, you know, unicorns and candy floss. 100% agree. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know it where works. that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It works. <laughs> so then, Chris, we, uh, we decided to have a look at um, Indiana Jones uh, and mm-hmm. some kind of Star Wars crossover because we're, we're not an Indiana Jones podcast by any means but <laughs> you know there, there are huge crossovers between Star Wars and Indiana Jones so uh, Dial of Destiny have you had a chance to check it out yet with no spoilers <laughs> no spoilers yeah yes uh, the wife and I went and saw it the other weekend and you know 
it's tough to avoid spoilers and other people's reactions online these days, but I didn't really have a ton of preconceived notions. I just wanted to go in and, and, and take it as it is. But uh, I did have a little bit of negative connotation, you know, stuck in my brain as I watched it. And I, both of us were pleasantly surprised. It was just a fun adventure. Definitely in, very much Indiana Jones in the way, you know, things happen. Um, I don't know. I thought it was good. There was, again, more like Easter eggs and nods to different things and cameos and, and that sort of thing. But for me, it was just a fun adventure. And I, I wasn't lo- really looking for much more than that, honestly. Did you get a chance to see it? Well, my wife will not go at the cinema and the kids <laughs> have all grown up. So I, I don't know when it is I'm going to be able to, because it, it mm-hmm. kind of feels a bit sad to go to the cinema by yourself. And, <laughs> and when the next of those movies come out, and I'm going to have to think about how to do that. But no, I've not seen Dial of Destiny. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I was never a big indie fan, which mm-hmm. goes into our next question of childhood memories. Yeah. Uh, I must have watched Raiders Christmas time, and I just kind of wasn't really interested in it. And I didn't really like Temple of Doom either. So my first real memories of, of the Indiana Jones franchise was as a group of I don't know fourteen year olds possibly um, going over to the cinema, maybe about eight dozen of us, and the vote was to watch Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and I was devastated because I thought I don't like the first two Indiana Jones. Why, 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 why are we going to watch this? Um, but as it happens, I, I loved it. I really, really enjoyed it, and I still at this day think Last Crusade is by far the best indie film. And then, obviously, when Crystal Skull came out, mm. I think of everybody else, I was disappointed. Uh, and I'm glad they didn't take, you know, the direction any further than sure. what they did. It was an experiment that didn't work. Uh, mm-hmm. But I've watched Raiders and I've watched Temple of Doom multiple times over the last few years, maybe five, seven years. And I just don't, I just can't get into them. They're just not my kind of movies. But there's something in Last Crusade that I really enjoy, and I think it's possibly the whole Knights Templar kind of connection. Mm. I, I really enjoy the history of that, and it probably coincide with the, you know the Down Brown works and everything else that's been coming coming out, um, you know, over the last decade or so. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Chris? Were you a, <laughs> a big Raiders fan? Like it seems everybody <laughs> in the states was. Well, I, I mean. Raiders came out when I was uh, one years old. So, um, but I mean, honestly, my first memory really is directed towards Raiders. And back in the 80s when VHS came out, that was like a big thing. And my parents bought their first VHS player. And the first movie that we rented was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I just vividly remember my dad coming home with that VHS player and having the the indie or Raiders of the Lost Ark VHS tape. But I, I don't really remember like watching the movie. Honestly, it wasn't until later on that I, I do remember seeing it. But that I mean, that was just like a pivotal, you know, kind of signature moment in my childhood is just remembering seeing that and then making the connection like, oh, that guy's the same actor that was Han Solo in in uh, Star Wars. And then realizing like, Oh, these are, you know, like actors are in different things and stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of the biggest memory for me. But I'm, I'm with you. Last Crusade, I saw it at the preteen kind of age and, and, uh, I really enjoyed it. And like you, it's, it's my favorite out of the series. Um, you know, including the newest one. So yeah, just a classic. Now, what I thought we'd do in this show is have a look at lots of crossovers between indie and Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And we're certainly going to mention the toys in that. Now, I'm going to be honest, Chris, I wasn't even really <laughs> aware that there were Indiana Jones vintage toys. I think I started to become aware more so when I saw the retro line appearing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know about you. Did you, I mean, certainly, have you been picking up anything when you've been doing the toy <laughs> shows over in the States? Do they appear? I've got no idea. Um, I mean... Just going back to like my awareness of them, I honestly don't remember Indiana Jones toys from my childhood, whether or not I came across them at the stores or in other friends collections and stuff like that. It didn't really stick out to me. It wasn't until the mid 90s when I was old enough to like start buying collections and and getting pieces here and there and these books and stuff. And I started realizing that there was 
Indiana Jones toys back in the day. But for me, I mean, I do enjoy the series and everything, but I think it's that I don't have that nostalgic click or connection with the toy line for me to feel like I need them to collect them. And especially now with the values and everything, it's hard for me to justify breaking off and uh, starting that collection. It would be a different story if I, if I came across, you know, a childhood collection and basically jump started a, a focus or something. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really been picking up stuff. I, they do show up at the shows that I do. Usually they sell pretty quickly if they're priced right. More so the the loose stuff. It's very rare to see boxed or carded items. You know, in some of the shops uh, around my area, they they'll have some, but usually every you know that stuff's pretty high high priced. Hi, this is John Morton from The Empire Strikes Back, and you're listening to Bantha Tracks. I think that's my kind of thinking behind the Knickerbocker Lord of the Rings items mm. because I mean I, I love the Lord of the Rings. I'm a huge Tolkien fan. And when I started to become aware of the, the Knickerbocker um, items, I think I got a Gollum and a Sam. But then I started to think, you know what, I haven't really got a connection with these at all. So yeah. I ended up letting those go. But it's, it's the same kind of principle for me. I mean, I, if I could pick up a nice carded set for relatively cheap, which is never going to happen, I probably <laughs> would do. Yeah. Um, but not now. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, uh, it's, it's, um, it's cool. Like we enjoy these series and these franchises and stuff like that. Um, I'm kind of at a point where I feel like I don't, I don't need to force representation into my collection um, just to have something there. I can be a fan of, of these franchises and not really have any pieces, you know, on my shelves or anything like that. But uh, you know, to each their own, really. Are you seeing that as your wife's listening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's sneaking in, uh, make, making notes on what she can tell me later. <laughs> right then, so let's move on to the show then, Chris. So I think we'll start off with something really, really easy at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll cover the actors who've appeared in both Star Wars and Indiana yeah. Jones. Do you want to take this one first, Chris? <laughs> I guess you're going to start off with the most obvious one. I mean... The most obvious one is uh, General Veers, in my opinion. <laughs> Julian Glover, you know, he, he plays General Veers, obviously, in Empire Strikes Back. But then um, he's also in The Last Crusade as Walter Donovan. And definitely he's just an iconic actor these days, you know, starring in stuff like Game of Thrones. And, and you know, and, and so I think... That I think he's just like plays both roles perfectly, especially Last Crusade. And, you know, I think it's it's cool to see these actors, you know, kind of cross over between the two franchises. Well, I think I'm going to go over somebody that's even more obvious. Obviously, Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I, that was that was yeah, that was a given, obviously. But uh, I mean, I'll let you have it. What you've got to think about with with. I think Harrison Ford here is you, you really see how good an actor he is when he does mm. two iconic characters and they are completely different. I mean, yeah, you could argue that they've both got the swagger and, <laughs> you know, that, the confidence. But, sure. you know, Indiana Jones is a flawed character uh, and Harrison plays that really, really well. And to be honest with you, I couldn't think of another actor who could step into that role. And I think, you know, the, the casting of Harrison on that was absolutely perfect. So, oh, you know, that, yeah. that by far is the, you know, the, the success for me of Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford. Yeah, 100%. He he really uh, I mean, he's one of the greatest actors this lifetime. And, and he is even though he's got that, you know, he's just got this such a distinctive look to him. He has this ability to really uh, create and embody a character and take you. I mean, out of the fat, you know, the mindset of, oh, that's Harrison Ford playing this actor, you know, this this character. And you think back in back in the day when he was cast as Han Solo, you know, George Lucas didn't really want to cast somebody that was in one of his previous movies. But uh, Harrison Ford really pushed, you know, during the auditioning process to to really get that role. And and it was justly due. And and for then Harrison to get the role for Indiana Jones, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. He was already an established 
actor and had that presence to to bring on you know bring that character to life and yeah i mean obviously <laughs> obviously the biggest uh connection between the two but uh still it's just uh it's great for him to have you know been in both franchises absolutely go for the next one yeah the next one i mean there's uh it's kind of crazy i'm kind of going down the list of a lot of the the actors that were in both you know the movie franchises but it's really interesting to see who was part of the young indiana jones series lots of actors and actresses that were in both but i mean really we're we're focusing on the movies and you know coming to the latest one is is probably mad mickelson um who was in rogue one uh as galen urso and is now in dial of destiny as jürgen Voller. and for me i mean mad's is more, you know, in the present. He's in so many movies. Uh, I mean, really, Casino Royale, I think, was like his kind of coming out party for, um, you know, well-known roles. And ever since then, it seems like he's in a bit of everything. Uh, so I, for me, like having just seen Dial of Destiny, that's why that one kind of comes to the, the forefront for me. Such a great actor and uh, really plays you know, gets into those roles, especially villains and stuff. He can really, um, really make those characters uh, come to life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've, I've met Mads a couple of times at, at conventions. Mm. He's a really nice guy, really down to earth. Awesome. Um, what I'm going to go with in is a little bit less well known is William Hootkins, who <laughs> is best known for playing Jack Porkins, Red yep. Six in Star Wars, the Rebel pilot who crashed in. Oh no, he didn't crash in the Death Star. He was killed first, then crashed in the Death Star, refused to eject. So he appeared in Raiders Lost Ark as a pompous government bureaucrat, Major Eaton. Again, he was a, he was a great actor in that as well, but I should never put the two together until I'd done some research because obviously <laughs> with the you know the the fake moustache and the right. you know the helmet. But uh, yeah, it's all Porkins. I think he passed <laughs> away not too long ago, didn't he, Porkins? Yeah. Sadly, but uh, nice guy. But yeah, there's another one. Yeah, that's that's pretty uh, cool. I mean, he definitely you know knowing the two franchise uh, the the two uh series and stuff like that it you know porkins gets a lot of love in the in the collector community and cosplay community and stuff and uh yeah he definitely made you know it was a smaller role uh in raiders but definitely um you know he he made his uh character pop for sure mm-hmm. you know another one i'll just again another smaller role but we're looking at admiral ozel who was played by Michael Sheard uh, in Empire Strikes Back, was also in, uh, he was actually in Raiders of the Lost Ark as a, just a, I think a background character as a Nazi U-boat captain, but he was in The Last Crusade and he's the, he played Hitler and he signed Indy's book, <laughs> um, mistakenly thinking, mistaking him as a fan. I, I just think that's hilarious, you know, seeing, seeing him you know, react that way. But uh, yeah, Michael Sheard uh, in both uh, franchises. Now, lots of people in the UK will know him um, because we had a, a TV show as kids called Grange Hill, which was set oh. in a school, uh, very, very late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. Lots of children would come home and watch Grange Hill. And he was um, a teacher in that show, but he was a teacher that nobody liked, incredibly strict. <laughs> and, you know, we loved it when the kids played up to him, but uh, a wonderful actor. That's pretty cool. I did not know that. Yeah. So a little bit tenuous this one. So Terry Richards, who played the Wampa in The Empire Strikes mm. Back, he um, has two credits in Indiana Jones, but one of them, um, an action figure was made of, he portrayed the Arab swordsman in Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, the guy who flashes his blade around before he's shot by Indiana <laughs> Jones. So, you know, wonderful opportunity for him, you know, being seen on screen and having an action figure made of, um, of, a, minor, of a minor actor. Wonderful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the funny note about that whole scene was that Harrison Ford and him were supposed to have this long fight, sword fight, and Harrison Ford wasn't feeling well that day, and he convinced them that he would just shoot the uh, the swordsman for a, a quick, you know, 
head to head battle. And uh, I, I think it, I mean, it worked really well. It was a very funny scene for, for both of them, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like you said, get an action figure, you know, get to, get to put on a Wampa costume for empire too. Absolutely. Now, Chris, a lot of the other actors, as you said, were in, you know, the young Indiana Jones Chronicles and, you know, a bit more mm-hmm. that, but do you just want to whip through some of the more famous ones? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the list is, is extensive here, but, uh, I mean, for me, really, uh, you've got the likes of Ian McDermott and who else we got? We got Christopher Lee. We've got Pernilla August. We've got Max von Sydow and, I mean, probably the most surprising one for me was Daniel Craig, who obviously he played an uncredited stormtrooper in The Force Awakens, but also got a role on the Young Indiana Jones series um, early in his career. So I, I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, I kind of, I kind of want to go back and watch that series. I remember watching a few episodes when I was a kid, but uh, we didn't have access to the rest of the series. So I don't know something worth potentially going back and, and seeing who can spot. Yeah, absolutely. That was a, a cracking cast, a cracking cast. And that, mm. maybe one day I will check out the Indiana Jones Chronicles, but you know, <laughs> so moving on then, I mean, Easter eggs, ah, there, right. there were tons and tons and tons of Easter eggs. And I'm sure we can whiz through some of these. So um, <laughs> we've, we've got down here 20 times that the Easter oh eggs goodness. were planted in, um, in their Jones. So I'll start with the first one. I think many of these are, are very well known. So mm-hmm. the Raiders plane um, has the, the letters Obi and CPO yeah. on there. So that was, you know, one of the very, very first Easter eggs crossover, Obi-Wan and obviously C-3PO. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then um, also in Raiders, there's uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO in hieroglyphics. Blink and you'll miss it. But, you know, it's it's pretty funny that they included that into uh, the background set. That might lead into something else that I'm going to come into, but uh, I'll keep that for later. <laughs> okay. um, a line that I don't like, and I really, you know, it's starting to get overused now, but uh, obviously Indiana <laughs> Jones used hands. I've got a bad feeling about this in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And I, I think that's when you're starting to really clutch at straws when you're using lines like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you wonder what the writers are thinking when they they want to put that in there. It's It's one thing to have background items as uh easter eggs but then to carry that iconic han solo line over to you know indiana jones uh yeah it's not the greatest <laughs> little nod there but then one uh yeah another one i mean this is one of the most uh, well-known ones it's club obi-wan in the temple of doom i mean it's says it blatantly right there on uh you know above the the door to the the club and um yeah it's just that's a great, great scene in that movie. And um, yeah, Club Obi-Wan, very, very fun uh, nod. Now, over in The Clone Wars, Dave Filoni must have been a huge indie fan because we've got a, um, <laughs> a few crossovers here. So we'll have the club Lao Chi in Bad Batch Season 2, but it's written in Arabesh. So how <laughs> on spotted that is beyond me. And the staff of Ra also appears in The Clone Wars as well. But yeah, there's there's a lot of nods in the Clone Wars oh, and yeah. um, you know PC games and, and and computer games over the over the two series. Yeah, I mean there's I mean all those proper all those uh, you know projects are ripe for Easter eggs. Um, one of the other ones that we see that can be seen at Star Wars Galaxy's um, Edge is uh, the Ark of the Covenant. I think that's in um, Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. Again, cool, just perfect location for uh, items like that. And uh, yeah, hopefully I'll get to see it in person one day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. The Holy Grail from obviously in Indiana Jones Last Crusade appears in Grand Admiral Thorne's office. But there were, there were tons and tons of said nods in Rebels as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's hypothesized that Arinda um, Price <laughs> was taking inspiration from Marina Spalco. Yep. It's possible, I suppose. A few other nods from, you know, Caribbean was that Indiana Jones' fedora, the Crystal Skull appearing in the Clone Wars. Sure. Uh, a few similarities, perhaps some of them, hmm, maybe not, but we'll, we'll give them a <laughs> for know, now. Right? I mean, some of the interesting ones that I, I had zero idea about, 
One of them is uh, Indy's Whip in Carbonite in oh, Andor. I've seen that one. <laughs> like, just so random. But that's in um, Luthen's kind of shop there. Another one, he's got the uh, Sankara Stones from Temple of Doom in uh, in his shop as well, or his, like, back workshop. Um, you can clearly see them up behind him, as well as some really cool, unique things, you know, in the Star Wars universe, like holocrons and, and such. But uh, I love... That sort of stuff. I mean, I don't watch these shows. You know, I'm not dissecting them. I usually I let other people do that. <laughs> and then I kind of go back and, and see if I can spot them and stuff. But, uh, you know, that sort of stuff is really cool. And then another one that I really like is in Solo. Uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark fertility idol is in the background in Dryden Voss's ship, his office there. Again, full of all sorts of Easter eggs in that scene. But yeah, cool to see that in the background. For everything in one location, daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds, bookmark Fanthatracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. Moving on to the movies and action figures. Um, mm-hmm. Some of these are well-known and some are not known at all. Uh, so, the Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, this appeared in a prop store auction. don't know what year this was. Oh, it was 2016. And yep. I was certainly not aware of this when it first appeared. <laughs> and the prop store auction was for a German soldier figure from the movie. And basically, it was a Luke Bespin that's been repainted and repurposed, and it was it was a screen used, just figure lying on the ground in Raiders. Mm-hmm. I think it was towards the end of Raiders, um, and obviously it's got you know it's got damage. It's got you know it had a little bit of green tape that was used to make like, the cap. <laughs> but when you actually when you actually see the shot from Raiders, and you, you can tell when you look at them, they are action figures. These are yeah. you know Luke Bespin action figures lying on the ground. You know as a as the fire rages off in. in Raiders. Wonderful. Never, I never spotted that before. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. When this kind of, I, I, this is like roughly when I was getting back into collecting in 2015, 2016. I remember this whole thing coming out and like, there was some deep dives from collectors and, and stuff doing some research on it. And so you go back and watch and you're, you're hundred percent right. You, if you focus on the, you know, the background or like the, the wider shots and stuff, you can definitely tell they're the action figures. And it's just, it's so interesting that they, uh, they went this route with, um, you know, repurposing the Luke Bespin figure and obviously with the provenance and, you know, collectors just drives up the desirability on a piece like this. If it hits the open market and, uh, just a fun little a little thing, you know, their history on the Kenner Star Wars figures making an appearance in Raiders. Now, in the behind-the-scenes footage of Raiders, it's, it's quite blatant that they used a 12-inch mm. large-size action figure of Han Solo in some of the shots. But I, I've never seen any of those appear on Pop Store. I wonder, I wonder if any of those survived. Yeah, I mean, they're either tucked away in, in the Lucasfilm vault or, uh, you know, maybe they're in some black hole collections out there. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, those survived. I'm sure some of them will have done, but you're right, probably black hole collections. <laughs> Moving on to the action figures. And so these came out in 1982, and mm-hmm. I was watching um, a wonderful, wonderful video on YouTube. Sorry, I don't recall the name of the person who was doing it, but it was a guy from the UK. And he was talking about failure of the, the action figures and, as to why it happened. And he put it down to the fact that when you collected Star Wars, you could ask 10 collectors what their first figure was, and they would probably all name 10 different figures. Mm-hmm. But that was not true of Indiana Jones. So in the in the first wave of figures, which came out in 82, you had the, the Swordsman, the Cairo Swordsman. Mm-hmm. You had Indiana Jones. You had Marion Ravenwood. And you had Tort. Now, if you were a figure, sorry, a child in in, in that time, you'd want Indiana Jones, without right. a doubt. I know. And I think it was argued that the amount of 
you know, it's just pretty much like Hasbro is now. You go to buy something and there's there's peg warmers and there's all those kind of figures out there, but nobody could get Indiana Jones because they made the same amount of that figure as they had all the other ones. And I, I think, Ugh. you know, that makes perfect sense as to why the line was a flop because at the end of the day, who would want Marion, Tort, or the Cairo Swordsman without Indy? Exactly, exactly. It's tough. Like, these days, you know, they might have cases loaded with the main character. They didn't do that back in the day. So it definitely makes sense why, you know, these these figures, this line didn't quite succeed the way Star Wars did. It's I'm curious to know why, you know, they chose, I guess, like in logic, you've got two good guys and two bad guys in the in the line. But like, I, th- I feel like you just you just needed more. You needed potentially another version of indie in that first wave. But I don't know. I, I I think I think the figures were executed well, and everything from the accessories to the sculpting and the fact that they were you know had more articulation gave them a little bit of an edge. But I mean, it's just. Yeah, it didn't quite connect with kids the way Star Wars did. Absolutely not. I mean, and that's, I mean, obviously, India was a huge movie, but yeah. the playability factor of that was probably going to be limited because you're going back to the, you know, the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid kind of theme, the Wild West, yep. you know, and then mm-hmm. those figures already existed where Star Wars was a, was a space movie and that, 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 you know, captured everybody's imagination. Yeah, I mean, there was countless lines of, you know, army, you know, army figures and, you know, stuff like that. Whereas Star Wars, like you said, it just made your imagination run wild and you could do all these stuff, you know, with all the spaceships and, and play sets and, and such. So it's unfortunate, you know, at least we did get a line. So there are, is some pieces for collectors to, you know, hunt and, and stuff these days. Yeah, so you mentioned the first four there, and perhaps there could have been other characters. Certainly the German soldier was what's obviously missing. But again, you're right. I mean, how many kids had G.I. Joes and Action Mm -hmm. Force? You know, the the hundreds of German soldiers that they could have borrowed. But I've had a look at the sculpts um, to see if there were any similarities between those and the Star Wars line. And surprisingly, there aren't too many. The the major one for me is Indy himself, where he has a holster on the side that's molded into him and that's very reminiscent of the Han Hoth, the way the gun goes into that um holster or you know on yeah. his belt. Yeah, the way the just like the way the belt goes across his midsection there and down over onto his leg. Yeah, that I agree. That's probably the the biggest connection. Most of the other figures, I mean they they seem pretty unique to me, you know, especially for that era and, and stuff. But you know, they I think they hold up well. I think they compared to what else was out there at that time. Uh, they fit right in line with with that era, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's interesting to note that. I mean, obviously, Ken has branded on these. But what what I liked when I looked at the card was the um, the free Belloc mail away already <laughs> on the first cards. You know, the, they've took that Star Wars, you know, success and, and they're trying to implement that in other lines. And it was wonderful to see, uh, you know, proofs of purchase, you, yep. get, you know, and um, <laughs> the white mailer box with the little Belloc figure in it and some uh, ceremonial rope. That would have been, uh, you know. I don't think I would have been waiting for the letterbox for no. that one, you know. I'm like, I'm waiting for Belloc. I need me Belloc, you know. It's, it's German, perhaps a different version of Indy, yeah, possibly, but not Belloc. So, uh, Wave 2 mm. came out then, so, you know, what do I think of Wave yeah. 2? Wave 2, I mean, you, you expand the line a little bit. You come, it's got the, uh, the Belloc figure, uh, just in his normal archaeology clothes. <laughs> um, then you've got the German mechanic where Indy fights him, you know, uh, in front of the plane there. And also we've got Indy, but in his German uh, soldier disguise. And then the last figure is Sala. And I think, you know, now, you know, you're getting, you know, his buddy Sala, you're getting another look for Indy, you're getting another, you know, a couple more bad guys. I think it's a little bit stronger of a wave than the first one, but I don't know. Again, still like the 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 figures, a couple of the figures aren't aren't like must-haves for a kid. <laughs> you know, like I just I can't see too many kids wanting that 
Belloc figure, um, just the guy with the white suit on. Um, well, look at his accessory. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> paper map. I mean, come awesome. on. Awesome. <laughs> it's not the best that could do. We're going to package this guy with a paper map. <laughs> Yeah, just not not the greatest uh, selection there. Um, but I mean, having Indy in a different outfit and having the the German mechanic, you know, obviously you can do the ballot battle scene. And um, I think Sala was a must for that line as well. Cloth robe and, and the like. So I don't know. It's like I said, it's a little bit better than the first wave, but still definitely leaves some uh you know thing lacking there yeah absolutely uh, i mean th- there were some you know accessories for this like uh, a jeep which you know you'd yep. expect and, and the radar's horse as well but if we just skip the play sets very quickly because these play sets are so kenna i mean mm-hmm. the streets of cairo is a bit weak but the map room um <laughs> I th- and the well of souls i thought you know they were brilliant little play sets those yeah and and i mean just like the accessories the kind of playability to these these play sets i think they they work i mean the well of souls i mean i i think that's just an awesome play set love it uh the map room you know falls right in line with you know the playability factor and stuff you're right streets of cairo it's okay but still it's just you know it comes with another you know another figure as well as the uh you know the map room and and it's just yeah i mean it there was potential with the with this movie and and they could have gone further it's just uh obviously the back then it just wasn't as desired for you know young boys and and girls and stuff like that so yeah it's it's too bad it didn't continue on but yeah i think what they they put out is pretty decent for you know the collectors to to hunt down these days and it, it's interesting to note that by the time they got the, you know, the large size action figures, obviously it made perfect sense for them to take the exact mold of the Star Wars Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm aware, other than clothes, they painted his eyes blue, whereas <laughs> the original Han had uh, brown eyes. And I think that was possibly the only change. I think that is it, um, as far as I know. And yeah, definitely. I mean, we know. Hasbro loves you know, Hasbro Kenner trying to repurpose uh, molds and, and stuff. So made made a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, this one, I, I I don't recall ever seeing it like at a show or anything like that. Do not come across the 12 inch figures, especially boxed um, very much these days. I think it was panned for the the fedora because it was uh, just like a, it almost looked like a Jawa cloth cape. It was so yeah. bad. <laughs> it's yeah, not not the best uh, choice there, uh, accessory wise. What I also liked as well is the the card backs that they had, um, very reminiscent of Star Wars. You know, they, they very much had the collect them all vibe mm-hmm. with the checklist on the back as well. I just, I'd be, I would be astounded if anybody actually went to the effort of collecting all these unless they were somebody who was deeply integrated as and wanted to actually collect them as opposed to play with them yeah yeah i i mean the only piece of vintage indie you know merch that i have is a card back for indie from raiders that's the only piece that i have that's enough representation for me but it's just uh yeah i mean i guess if you grew up and this line hit you at the right time and you know you've got the nostalgia to to complete the line i mean all the power to you it's plenty doable because it's pretty uh you know it's pretty small in comparison to say star wars but i'm sure there's like all sorts of variations and uh foreign stuff i don't don't know what's out there for you know foreign variants and and stuff but i don't know it's visually i think the packaging looks great um, it definitely pops, but yeah, it's just not, not something that's, you know, calling me to, uh, complete the line. No. Right then. So leaving the toy line alone aside, another crossover between Indiana Jones and Star Wars is, I mean, were you aware that Indiana Jones actually play, appeared in a Star Wars story? I was not. I was not. <laughs> this is, this was news to me, uh, when you shared the, the article, but yeah, go ahead. 
Tell us about it. Yeah, well, I think I learned of this maybe about four years ago. It was mm. one of the Star Wars tales, I think it was. You know, those those nonsense stories, such yeah. as like R5-D4 as a Jedi, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so I knew the story had come out. And the, the general gist of it is, is that um, Han and Chewie land the Falcon on some primitive planet. And Han Solo's attacked and I think he's... Uh, there's either poison on the, you know, the arrow blades or something that pierces his skin. He knows he's dying. So he asks Chewbacca to take him back to the Menion Falcon because he wants to die on the Falcon. Mm-hmm. And about 200, 300 years later, whatever it was, <laughs> um, Indiana Jones actually arrives and uh, discovers this ship and discovers um, Han Solo. And he has his sidekick shorty with him as well. And he gets this tingling that he kind of is a little bit familiar with the skeleton. Um, so they decide to leave it un- untouched and they head off for another Indiana Jones adventure. So a very, very <laughs> odd story. Oh, yeah. And then uh, what Chewbacca ends up is essentially Sasquatch. Pretty in, much, yes. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> he's um, off, off on the run, you know. Yeah. And obviously the primitive planet then turns up to being Earth, obviously. Um, yeah. You know, so yeah, interesting story, but one that definitely needs to stay in the uh, in the non-canon line. Oh, definitely, definitely. It, I mean, it's uh, it's fun to do stuff like that, but uh, yeah, it's it's not. If that was made canon, you know, oh, can you like... imagine him appearing in Ahsoka <laughs> or Acolyte or something like that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Too funny. Too funny. <laughs> Fanta drags. The first time I became aware of the Indiana Jones figures was from the retro collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so modern's very much not my thing on Indiana Jones, and yeah. I have never seen these appear anywhere other than Forbidden Planet. Uh, it's a place well, I've seen them, and they look nice, but you know, yeah. they're not for me. Yeah, same. I mean, I've I've come across uh, some of them, you know, Target and. Some of the, you know, people have them at shows and, and stuff. The Hasbro Kenner retro collection. Um, I mean, they look, they look like they, they were done well. Very, you know, similar to the, the Star Wars retro collection. Um, great for, you know, collectors to kind of relive that experience they might have had as a, as a kid, you know, picking them up off the pegs. But, you know, for me, it doesn't, doesn't call for me to, to buy them. Just like the vintage stuff, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of them are peg peg warmers now. Uh, a lot of them have been clearanced out. I mean, we've got we got the six inch line with uh, the Indiana Jones series for the Dial of Destiny, um, and then they had some figures that represented Indy uh, from you know the earlier movies. Again, like done really well, uh, just like the Black series um, these days. Quality is there. The sculpting, the likenesses um, for a main line, uh, main figure line, I think they did a great job. So it's it's great to have that option for collectors. Unfortunately, I mean, I just don't think I don't think we're going to be seeing any more Indiana Jones figures coming out after these ones, you know, kind of leave store shelves. I think uh, Disney and, and Lucasfilm and Hasbro have probably shelved any Indiana Jones um figures um you know for as a long-term release in my opinion do you think they overstepped on this one because you know the 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 star wars line was coming out and then there's massive delays and then another wave and then you can't find things (laughs) yeah and then these indiana jones figures appeared that nobody particularly asked for nobody seemed to want them there weren't people talking about nostalgia (laughs) other than a much smaller subset Whereas things like, you know, the Master of the Universe line, that didn't really take off either, as far as I'm aware. You know, because yeah. Master of the Universe was equally huge. And, you know, this just seems such yeah. a strange thing. They could have got another another dozen Star Wars figures out that probably would have been picked up by collectors. Yeah, I mean, this could be a whole other conversation, is the, the choices that Hasbro's made in, like, where they put the resources like recently they've come out saying that they're going to shelve some other lines for the foreseeable future just because they haven't been successful. Most of them hit clearance. So I don't know if it's a whole like thing going on with collectors, but 
you know, and the pricing is a big thing too. Definitely some things to consider uh, for for Hasbro. But yeah, I think they might have, yeah, like you said, overstepped or thought that they the collectors w- would be there, you know, clamoring for this stuff. Um, but they're not really. Other than the retro collection, what else is there for Indiana Jones that's a, a more modern? Yeah, so being uh, part of the six scale uh, community, um, we talked about it um, a couple episodes ago on six scale scavengers. Is there is going to be a Hot Toys figure coming out for Indy uh, for the Dial of Destiny, and it looks amazing. It's there's a regular release, there's a deluxe. You know, likeness is unbelievable to Harrison Ford, all kinds of accessories, but Hot Toys. You know, 99% of the time they knock it out of the park with the the sculpting, the fit and finish, the accessories and stuff. But sometimes it's the decision making kind of, you know, falls in line with where Hasbro is putting their efforts. Most collectors were like, I'd rather just have them make a figure from Indy from Rangers of the Lost Ark, you know, instead of making one from Dial of Destiny, you know, older Harrison Ford, it's just like they probably would have been better served redoing younger Indiana Jones from, you know, one of the first three movies instead of doing something from the latest um, without even knowing how it's going to it was going to perform it in the theaters, which hasn't been very well. But, yeah, I mean, it's cool to see them putting out an indie figure because Hot Toys mostly puts out Star Wars and Marvel and, and DC and the like. But it's it's cool to see. But again, is that the representation you want in your collection from Indiana Jones is a Dial of Destiny indie, or would you rather have something from Raiders, Temple of Doom, or Last Crusade? They already Just, had a Raiders indie, though, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it came out quite a while ago. It was in their DX series. Great figure, just hard to come by these days. And those had issues long term with the... Uh, the, the pleather in the jacket and stuff would start to deteriorate. So that's why people want them to redo, a, you know, that figure or come out with a another version of that figure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if there's any kind of contract written in for Harrison whereby <laughs> any new merchandising he gets a percentage of, but he didn't have a percentage of radars and things like that. And I wonder if that's where some of these strange decisions are coming from. <laughs> I think there might be something there because... Uh, one of the biggest figures in Hot Toys um, in six scale that people really want is a Bespin Han Solo. And for some reason, Hot Toys just won't make it. And even a Return of the Jedi Endor Han, they just won't make it. But they've made a Force Awakens Han Solo. And now they're making this indie from, from the latest uh, movie. So, yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. There's rumors um, from people that might have connections that that might be the case. It's kind of unfortunate for collectors, but you know, that's, that's where we are these days with, um, some of these big actors and, and their, um, contracts. Man, Harrison, how much more money do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think that would be remotely plausible. What you've, what you've said this makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Who would have thought that we'd be able to fill nigh on an hour with a crossover between Star Wars and Indiana Jones? As my, when I said to my wife, I'm recording today, she does her usual, what you're talking about this time? And I says, oh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. And she looked at me and said, you do know that the two different things, don't you? And I was just like, yes, but we're talking <laughs> about the crossovers between them. And she went, well, that should be done in five minutes, won't it? Right. And she rolled her eyes. <laughs> no, no, we, we, we figured out a way to uh, extend it out longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really hope our listeners got something out of this. And, you know, I'd be... I certainly, when I was doing my research, I thought, wow, I didn't know that. And, you know, who would have thought that Auntie Daniels and Ian McDiarmid and Christopher Lee and people like that had crossover, you know, even if it was small bit part acting in some of the Chronicles. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, you'd expect the the crew. I mean, thank God we didn't sure. go down that route because we're still doing it now. Yeah. 
yeah, we don't need you, we do not, don't need to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> but um, you know, there's there's obviously you know going to be using the same teams, the same cameramen, the same stuntmen. You know, just goes on and on. But you know what we've got here is we've got the love of two incredibly you know great friends, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas, and they've, mm-hmm. they've just got together to you know just do their own thing. And I think as much as I don't really have a fondness for radars, and I don't have a fondness for Temple of Doom, I do have an appreciation for what these two guys have done um you know it's a it's another billion dollar franchise and they've knocked it out of the park in that it's a bit like star wars there's movies there for everybody and you don't have to be a fan of a lot of it absolutely i mean they they came together created another you know classic franchise in movie history and yeah like you said there's a little bit of something for everybody in in there you know it's gonna live on for a long time well, Chris, I think it's time to end the show now. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always, and I look forward to catching you on the next one after I have been on my holiday in Thailand. Awesome, man. Can't, can't wait. Have fun, and we'll catch up later on in the summer. So thanks for listening to Collecting Tracks. If you want to be part of the action, stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit Fantatracks.com or check out the free Fantatracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at fanthetracks.com. Comment, like and share on any of our social media feeds at Fanthetracks and be sure to subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Semple for composing the Fanthetracks intro, Andy Lyle for our collecting tracks over music, and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Remember to tune in to Good Morning Tatooine live Sunday evenings at 9pm UK time, 4pm Eastern and 1pm Pacific on Facebook and YouTube. Check out Fanthatracks Radio Friday evenings at 7pm UK time for new episodes of the Fanthat from Down Under, Planet Leia, Desert Planet Discs, Start Your Engines, Collecting Tracks and Cannon Fodder and every Tuesday at 7pm UK time for your weekly episode of Making Tracks. Up next on Fanta Tracks Radio, it's Making Tracks.